This episode of Locked On Aggies is brought to you by Built Bar. Built Bar, where a candy bar meets a protein bar. Go visit BuiltBar.com and use the promo code LOCKEDON to save $10 off your very first purchase. That's BuiltBar.com, promo code LOCKEDON. It's the Locked On Aggies Podcast, presented by Locked On Podcast Network. Talking all things Texas A&M. Now, here's your host, Cole Thompson. Howdy, everybody, and welcome back into another episode of Locked On Aggies, presented by the Locked On Podcast Network. Cole Thompson here in the driver's seat talking all things Texas A&M, and we're chugging right along this week with our Ranks on Ranks on Ranks special podcast, where we will be ranking everything for the 2020 season. If you caught yesterday's episode, you heard us talking a lot about the 2020 schedule and how these games rank up in favorability of AM and popular demand. Today, we will be breaking down the top five AM offensive players we cannot wait to see take the field this upcoming September. Before we begin, make sure you're following us on social media at Mr. Cole Thompson. I am the host of the show. My name is Cole Thompson. That's it. Don't wear it out. I love personal feedback. Anything you guys can give me from positive to negative feedback, anything to make this show better. Remember, we're three to four days a week. We try to get out the best content possible for every single 12th man fan out there. So it's at Mr. Cole Thompson. I love feedback, but more importantly, at Locked on Aggies. Locked On Aggies is your number one source for all thing Aggie-related content at the Locked On Podcast Network. We try to, again, four to five shows. We're lucky right now. We're doing about three to four a week. Make sure you're following us at Locked On Aggies and at Mr. Cole Thompson. Perhaps the biggest news coming out of the 12th man today is Aggie players have started arriving back on campus. With the news of the SEC reopening its doors to athletes for voluntary workouts starting June 8th, you're starting to see the next crop of AM players come into the picture. Uh, guys like Demon Demas are coming in, Brian George, the four-star cornerback, from junior college made his mark. Uh, I believe also you had Anokiola Ongbiai. I have no idea how to say his name. He's the four-star offensive guard from Fort Ben Kempter. Uh, he was an early AM commit before switching to Georgia, coming back. You're starting to see the picture come full circle. And again, maybe this helps out AM in a little bit of a way because the SEC as of now is the only conference in general that has allowed all 14 schools to return to campus and begin off-season workouts. Keep in mind, these are voluntary workouts. So just in case you don't hear of a guy like maybe Kellen Mond suiting up, maybe he's not ready or the coaches are holding him back. Maybe you have a guy like Baylor Cup who's someone to keep an eye on this year especially, but because of his injury, maybe they're keeping him just working out inside of the facility. No one has to be on campus, but I can tell you this right now. As a former football player myself, I look back at my time whenever we had voluntary workouts. One, they were not voluntary. If you had a voluntary workout and you were on varsity, you were showing up. And if that meant you were getting up at five in the morning and staying until six at night, you were showing up. Because of if you did not show up, you immediately removed down the depth chart while another player who maybe was a fringe player of varsity, maybe even a fringe starter on varsity, they would automatically move up because they showed that they want to be there. But number two, you're gone from two months from your university, a facility that has 
every resource you could possibly imagine from weight regiment to workout gear to practice facilities to open areas for you to be able to better hone your craft. All that adds up showing that on paper, number one, there is no such thing as involuntary workouts. And number two, you want to get back into the swing of things. Everyone has probably gained a little bit of weight or has lost some muscle definition during this quarantine due to COVID-19. So no matter what, to be able to gain back that muscle mass and be right at playing shape for the start of the 2020 season, you want to get in that weight room as soon as possible. And so now that you have these freshmen coming in, this is only going to benefit Jimbo Fisher entering his third year with the program. Now that doesn't mean that this A&M team is going to have an edge over, say, a Kentucky team or over a Ole Miss team because every team's open. I mean, now the states in some areas are not open. There's definitely some areas in Texas that are still closed. There definitely are some areas in Mississippi, Alabama, Louisiana especially, that are still closed. But they will be heavily monitored by the athletic staff and the training department, and they will be able to get the nutrients and the healthcare mentally, psychologically, physically, that they weren't able to get several months ago. This is another great step to showing that football will arrive on time. The biggest question is, and a lot of people have asked me, what do we do about the seating? Because right now, there's no answer to how many fans will be allowed in the stands, if any at all. And that could not just be a Texas rule, because Texas, that's opening up to 25%, slowly opening up to 50%, slowly opening up to 75%, could have the advantage. And the SEC and Greg Sankey could say, we cannot give that advantage to a player or a team. So unfortunately, this is going to be the norm for the 2020 season. But as we talked about earlier, this show is a ranks on ranks on ranks show. If you want to listen to our ranks for popularity of the 2020 schedule and how they will fill up, go ahead and listen to yesterday's podcast. But if not, let's dive into our top five offensive players we cannot wait to see take the field in 2020. Number five for me, this is going to be a little shocker, I think, but it's Kenyon Green. Green was a freshman out of Humble, Texas last year. He came in. He was one of the bigger names. He fought his way into the starting lineup, but originally he's a tackle. That's the biggest thing that people kind of don't understand and it's something that A&M has done a lot in the past. They've played their tackles of the future inside at guard to give them time to develop their pass protecting skills, their run blocking skills, and that's what ended up turning into four first round picks in Jermaine Erfetti, Cedric Abwehi, Jake Matthews, and number two overall pick Luke Jokel. So this is Kenyon Green, another guy, played right guard last year, right next to Carson Green. And the Aggies offensive line is still the biggest concern entering 2020. Now, when you look past 2020 into the 2021 season, there's a lot of players they were able to go out and get uh, via this past recruiting session. They're going to have a couple of big names to watch for in 2021. There's some names you can watch for from the 2018 recruiting class. So it should only get better. But seniority right now rules. And the only position that left was Colton Prater. Outside of that... They're going to return every single one of their starters. But just because they return their starters doesn't mean Green is not going to vie his way into the starting right or left tackle role. Carson Green had an okay year last year. Wasn't anything spectacle. It really was, I would say, not underwhelming, but 
when Colton Prater, your center, is your best piece, that says a lot. And you can't really blame Green because he's a freshman playing in one of the toughest conferences in all of sports. And he's having to go out there and face the likes of second-round pick Raekwon Davis, third-round pick Terrell Burgess on a consistent level, Kavion Chason, a first-rounder, Derek Brown. He was going up against those guys as freshmen. He's only going to develop more. Speaking of Moore, Dan Moore, the left tackle, had a very rough year last year. Between him and Jared Hawker, most of the pressure came from the left side, and this could be where you finally see Green kind of take over, especially if they feel comfortable starting one of the smaller, younger guys on the offensive line. If Tank Jenkins or even Luke Matthews, a redshirt sophomore who is projected to be the second-string center, can improve during summer ball and more struggles, you may be forced to put in green and have, instead of the green mile on the right side, have the two bookends complete the green mile all the way across the line. For me, green is such a unique piece because if he's very good at both the run game and the pass protection, he could play either position. Right now, I think he'd be a better fit at the next level as a right tackle because of what he did in the run game last year really helped out with Isaiah Spiller and even Cordarian Richardson at times. But overall, I look at this team and I see what they have. If their biggest hole is left tackle, you have a guy who was a stud left tackle at Humble last last year in his final year of high school football. Let's see what he can do if he can transition in because... A&M, again, this is a team that's on the rise, and this is a team that's expected to compete for the SEC West title. The only way you do that is if you have blindside protection, and Kellen Mond is going to need all the help he can to stay afloat after the team allowed 33 sacks last season. There's other players that we're definitely going to talk about this game, but again, I do think the offensive line is always the biggest need, and if you don't win in the trenches, you cannot win football games. So who will be the skill position players that will help the offensive line and Kellen Mond thrive in 2020? We'll be breaking down those names in just a quick moment. Howdy, everybody. It's Cole Thompson from Locked On Aggies. And much like you, I'm trying to stay in shape during this quarantine without going to the gym. But part of staying in shape is by having the right nutrients added to your body. And I think I've recently found something that really is not only great tasting, but great for me. And that's in Built Bars. Built Bars are more than just a tasty treat. They are a protein-packed power bar that keep you going throughout the days. And they come in 16 amazing flavors, all covered in 100% real chocolate, plus they're soft and easy to chew. Built Bar is great for the health conscious guy because it helps you lose and maintain your weight while also having a delicious flavor added to your mouth. The bars are low calorie, low sugar, high in protein. Let me give you my favorite example for the peanut butter brownie. It comes with 20 grams of protein, 170 calories, 3 grams of sugar, and 3 grams of net carbs. 3 grams of sugar. You're not going to be able to find that anywhere else. Why don't you go ahead and try your favorite bar by going to BuiltBar.com and using the promo code LOCKEDON to get $10 off your first order. Remember, that promo code is locked on for $10 off BuiltBar.com. So go ahead and try your favorite Built Bar today. Not only will you be building muscle, you'll be building confidence in yourself to look better when it comes time for summer season. Gig'em, y'all! 
Locked On Aggies, presented by the Locked On Podcast Network. Cole Thompson here in the driver's seat talking all things Texas A&M. Guys, let me get your opinion on something. Do you like quality podcasts surrounding your favorite team every single day, every single day being a sports day? Guess what? You should listen to a Locked On podcast. The Locked On Podcast Network has over two dozen college sports shows, plus a ton of content surrounding the MLB, NHL, NFL, NBA, and gearing you up for your fantasy sports season. So go ahead and like us on iTunes, Spotify, or just listen to us live here on LockedOnPodcast.com. Kenyon Green is the first of our five top names to watch for on the offensive side of the ball in 2020. Who comes in at number four? This is an easy one. Demon Demas. Demon Demas is one of the most polished wide receiver prospects to come out of the 2020 recruiting class. This was a guy who also is going to be fresh. He's not going to be dealing with a lot of injuries because of his transfer to Tomball, never went through with UIL District. He's going to be at his prime peak. The only thing that worries me is because of he did not play in his senior year, is his production going to go down? But the biggest thing that you have to know, big receiver. This is a kid who, when you look at on paper, six foot four, 230 pounds, this is your split end replacement for Kendrick Rogers. Rogers was a very disappointing player in his final year with the 12th man. Part of that was due to injuries. Part of that was due to lack of production. Part of that was due to his own merit. But 31 catches for under 250 receiving yards and two total touchdowns isn't something you want to see from a guy that a lot of people thought was going to be one of the biggest names heading into the 2019 season and one of the best receivers in the SEC. Demon Demas has that potential and the ability to not only spread the field with his speed, also his hands. You go turn on the tape from him in high school, his junior year where he scored 23 touchdowns. This is a kid who did not allow a lot of contested contested catches. It was pretty much ball touch hand, ball comes down. I think if I counted correctly, there was only four breakups in his junior year. That's how talented this kid is. He has all the makings to be a all-American wide receiver and an immediate replacement and starter for the Aggies offense. When you look at the Aggies right now, they're, they lost a lot of players. They really did. That was a position that a lot of people, I think, are going to be a little unsure at, is wide receiver. You have a guy that we're going to mention a little bit later, but Anaya Smith, who was your slot receiver last year and also was kind of the rising star, is now at running back, technically. He's now technically the third string running back going into this year. Also, Cameron Buckley who had a down year last year, is going to have to take over for Courtney Davis. Can he take over for Courtney Davis? Or will Caleb Chapman, who was a redshirt freshman last year, step up and be the guy? Can Moosin Muhammad III, Moose Muhammad Jr., my bad, can he be the guy? It doesn't really matter. Because at the end of the day, when you are a five-star talent, that pedigree puts you up on a pedestal a little bit higher than anyone else. And I do think that when you look at what Demas did in his junior season, if he can replicate even a fraction of that, maybe not against all SEC teams, but against Vanderbilt, against Ole Miss, maybe against a depleted LSU secondary outside of Derek uh, Stingley, maybe at least you're showing progress. 
It's not about being the best receiver on the field for someone like Demas. It's about being the rising star to take over when the receiver we're going to name a little bit later, just you already know who it is, is gone. Because he will be gone after this season. Number three. A lot of people would probably say Jalen Weidemeyer, and he was an honorable mention. But Baylor Cup. Baylor Cup is a guy who, when he was recruited by AM, the team had just lost Jay Sternberger. That was the most consistent offensive weapon in 2018 for the Aggies. They now are going to have two tight ends to run a double tight formation or even a trips and have still a tight end on the line that can both stretch the field, number one, and be significant blockers. The biggest thing I worry about for Cup is because of his leg injury that he suffered during fall camp last year, is he going to be able to bounce back and become a well-rounded blocker like Weidemeyer did his freshman year? This is a redshirt freshman for him. He's going to be able to come back and he's going to have another year of eligibility. But the reports on this kid, not only was he the number one tight end recruit in the nation during the 2018 recruiting offseason, he was one of the better receiving targets when he was select, when AM recruited him. Not just at tight end, all positions. That's how well-rounded of a prospect Baylor Cup was. Is he still going to be that well-rounded prospect? And those are things you wonder. Is he going to have to play an H-back role where he's kind of playing in a three-point stance instead of playing, I mean, he's playing in a two-point stance instead of a three-point stance, and he's offset, kind of like a fullback, where kind of like how Jay Sternberger did. Is he going to only be a flex option? Will they have to play him just off the tail end of the left or right tackle? All those things and all those questions can be answered. But the main thing is, will it limit him in the starting lineup. Weidemeyer right now to me has proven that he deserves a shot to be the true number one tight end. Glenn Beal, the number three tight end, is definitely going to be used in blocking schemes predominantly. He's a better blocker than Cup right now for sure, and he's just as adequate as a blocker as Weidemeyer. But Baylor Cup, the enigma, the five-star tight end. Do you know how hard it is to be a tight end and be a five-star? That's like finding a eight-leaf clover. There's not many around, and if you do find it, you're going to have good luck for the rest of your life. But an early injury can always derail a player. Is this injury going to derail Baylor Cup? I'm not sure, but what I can tell you is that with the loss of both Davis and Rodgers, Kellen Mond is going to need another weapon. He has Weidemeyer, he has another receiver that we're about to name in a little bit, and he also has Baylor Cup now. Cameron Buckley, we don't know what he's going to be. We don't know what any of the small, the younger receivers are going to be. We don't know what even Caleb Chapman's going to be. We have no idea what they're going to be. What we do know is that when you're that highly touted coming out of high school, the expectations are high. And now that he's coming back from injury, and there's a tight end already on campus that has been fantastic for the team, even in a limited role. Is he still going to be viewed as the face of the offense moving forward? We still have two more rankings to get through. I'm sure you know who one is, and I kind of already hinted at the other one. But who is one? Who is two? Don't go anywhere. We'll be breaking those names down in just a quick moment. 
Locked on Aggies, presented by the Locked On Podcast Network. Cole Thompson here in the driver's seat talking all things Texas A&M. Guys, make sure you're following us on social media at Mr. Cole Thompson and at Locked On Aggies. And subscribe to the show on Spotify and podcast. We love your listening. We love your commentary and we love your feedback. So always give us a follow here at LockedOnPodcast.com. We're still doing our ranks on ranks on ranks, and we have two more rankings to get through. You know exactly who they are, but what order will they come in? Guess what? I hinted at it yesterday at the end of the show. Kellen Mon was not coming in at number one. He's coming in at number two for me. Mon has all the potential to be a standout quarterback in the SEC and only boost his draft stock in, I wouldn't say it's a highly touted or lowly touted class, but a middle-of-the-pack class for quarterbacks in 2021. You know what you have with Trevor Lawrence. You know what you're going to get with a guy like Justin Fields. You have no idea who's going to come in at QB3. Those are your top two. And let's be honest, if anything happens to Fields, you really only have one surefire QB1, and it's Trevor Lawrence. That's not going to change for a lot of people throughout the season unless he throws like 30 interceptions against 23 touchdowns. Besides that, expect this guy to be QB1. After that, the race is up, and the SEC in general has three names to look for when it comes to QB1. I'm going to throw in a fourth, just being honest. And maybe it's because of I have this bias because of my you know background. But Kyle Trask from Florida, Jamie Newman from Georgia, Kellen Mond from Texas A&M, and Mac Jones from Alabama all have potential to not only enhance their draft stock, but find their way into that QB3 race. I keep out Bo Nix... Because Bo Nix, I don't think, is going to be that special this year. And also, he can't declare. I will throw in one more name, but I wonder if he's going to be viewed as a product of the system. And that's KJ Costello at Mississippi State. But besides that, these are your names that you're looking for. You have Trask, your prototypical quarterback who loves to stay in the pocket, has a bigger arm, not as accurate with the deep ball but has the ability to be a game-managing quarterback. Kind of the same thing with Mac Jones. Jones has a little bit stronger arm than Trask, but at the same time, he's erratic. You don't really know what you're getting with him. He's barely started any any games. He only played in two two really meaningful games last year against Michigan and Auburn. So he's kind of a wild card. And then you have Jamie Newman. Jamie Newman is going to get all the love and attention because of what he did at Wake Forest as a dual-threat quarterback. But we already mentioned earlier in the podcast last month, or I guess it was really earlier this month, Newman and Mon's stats are very similar. They both threw for over 20 touchdowns, they both rushed for over 500 yards, and they both scored at least six rushing touchdowns. These are your dual-threat quarterbacks. And if the NFL is going to transform itself into a more dual-threat Lamar Jackson, Deshaun Watson-esque type quarterback background, these are two guys you're going to have to look at as potentially the future of the NFL, which gives them a boost a little bit over the guys like Trask and Jones. And even Catsello. I'll throw him in there. But Mond right now has to prove he can win on the road. When you look at the road wins for AM last year, or neutral site wins, Arkansas, you can thank the defense for that one, and Arkansas kind of blowing it for themselves. Ole Miss, you can thank the defense for that one, and you can thank the running game for that one, because without the Isaiah Spiller running touchdown late in the fourth quarter, AM doesn't win that game. That's an easy win for, for Ole Miss, or at least it goes to overtime. 
and we, maybe they finish six and six. You look at the losses. Kellen Mond on the road at Clemson. Horrible game. Georgia. That was a weather concern. They could have came back. That was one of his better games on the road, but still wasn't a good game. LSU. Just, I, I would have benched him at halftime. It, it was that bad of a game. But now when you come back this upcoming season against games against South Carolina on the road, Mississippi State on the road, Alabama on the road, and that's probably going to be a night game at Alabama. ESPN is going to be all over that game, especially if both of them are ranked in the top 25, which at that point, A&M should either have one to no losses and Alabama should have maybe one loss, and that would be to LSU. That's it. This is going to be a highly touted game. Can he win under pressure? And can he limit the turnovers on the road, kind of like how he did this past season at Kyle Field? Overall, the argument for me at QB1 is between Trask and it's between Mond. I want to be able to say Mond is the better quarterback because all I look at, the potential with Mond, is beyond special. But that has to translate on the field. And if it doesn't translate on the field, we have a problem. But number one, Number one for me this year, Jamon Osmond. Osmond is going to be, to me, the coupe de gras of AM offensive players to watch this year. Not only because of he decided to come back while everyone else decided to go to the NFL, but you look at the SEC receivers. You have Jamar Chase, who's going to bring in a ton of talk this offseason because of what he did last season. 84 catches, 1,780 yards, 20 touchdowns, and the reigning Belitnikoff Award winner. He's also now the only top receiver at LSU. Justin Ross from Clemson, 17 touchdowns last year, 16 seven-point yards per catch. You also have the likes of Devonta Smith. Uh, 6'1", 175, 14 touchdowns, 17.9 yards per catch last year. Jalen Waddell, the speedster. Seth Williams from Auburn. There's no really set number one receiver in the SEC outside of, I would say, Chase. Everyone else can kind of make it or break it. Alabama, they love to spread the ball. It'll be a lot easier this year because if you won't have four guys to throw to, you'll mainly have two, and hopefully a tight end will emerge and one of the younger talents will be there. Auburn, they have a number one receiver in Seth Williams. But overall... Mond has the ability to connect with Osmond, who's been his number one target all three years that he's been the starter. He's always gone to Osmond as this checkdown guy. And if Osmond can work his way as a slot receiver in the middle of the field, this is your Christian Kirk 2.0, who's going to only better his draft stock, who, and I spoke to several scouts, he would have been a day three pick easily, and he likely would have been a round seven to undrafted free agent. He's going to be able to probably talk his way into a second round pick just by staying an extra year. That gives him also the leadership skills to teach as a veteran on the receiving core. It gives him a chance to fight his way up the ladder and show that he can win not just in the slot, but also on button hook routes, on post corner routes, on deep post, on vertical threats from riding up the seam. All of those things can come to mind. If Osmond can have the season that I expect him to, we're talking about a guy who's going to be what Kendrick Rogers was supposed to be going into this year. If not the number one receiver in the SEC, a top three receiver in the SEC. 
And for Mon to be successful with his passing game, he needs to have reliable hands. You know Weidemeyer is going to be open half the time. Baylor Cup, you have no idea. Cameron Buckley, you have no idea. Uh, Damon Demas, you have no idea. Musim Muhammad, you have no idea. You have no idea what half of these players can really do. You know what Osmond can do. And if Osmond can reach his full potential, this by far is the number one Aggie to watch for come 2020. That's going to do it for this edition of Locked on Aggies. Make sure you're following us here on social media at Mr. Cole Thompson and at Locked on Aggies. Tomorrow, we'll be breaking down the top five defensive players to watch for this upcoming season. But while you're at it, why not listen to Chad Forbes' big NBA draft show? Forbes is one of the best when it comes to evaluating prospects for the next level. So you can listen to him Monday through Friday at LockedOnPodcast.com. We'll see you tomorrow, everyone. And remember, gang up, y'all. This has been Locked On Aggies, presented by the Locked On Podcast Network.